Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now. Hello, America, and happy Monday morning. Actually, it's a dreary Monday morning for many people in Afghanistan. That's where my heart and head is today. I I know of more than five or six dozen Afghan family members who have served with the United States side by side for nearly two decades who are stranded and soon to meet, I fear, a bad fate. I know that's a small number that I know of a much larger group of Afghan supporters of the United States who feel left high and dry with 48 hours or less to go before Biden pulls out, President Biden pulls out of Afghanistan to give you the latest intelligence on the ground, to give you the latest effort of what private people are doing to supplant what the United States government has failed to do. I'm bringing on today a retired Army Ranger, Dr. Tony Brooks. You will love him. Inspirational speaker, best-selling author, chiropractor, and accomplished in the field of medicine as well. But he has an enormous insight into what's going on in Afghanistan. He's tied to many of the efforts on the private side to get good people out who are still trapped. And I think he's going to bring all of his knowledge and expertise from his time serving with the 75th Army Ranger Regiment to this show. You're going to love what he has to say. A lot of insight, a lot of brain power. He was there as early as 05. He also served in Iraq. And he has been quoted all over the world these last decades since he left the military, retired, to, to bring wisdom to all of us. You're going to learn a lot today. I can't wait for you to meet my good friend, Tony Brooks. Now, before we get to him, we've got some business at hand, and it doesn't all have to deal with Afghanistan, though our focus should not drift from it too much. But we've had a couple really important stories, and I want to go to one that I think is really, really essential, and that is that the FBI, already reeling from the revelations in its failures in Russia, collusion, reeling from its revelations of failing to root out serious sexual harassment and sexual assault, failing to punish it. You've got people who've been accused of stealing in the FBI. They got off light. All sorts of questions. They're still under investigation by John Durham. There could be more than the one now ex-FBI lawyer who gets convicted, who has been convicted, who could be indicted in the not-so-distant future. But in the midst of that, and amidst other revelations, as recently as last week, new revelations about the FBI's conduct in the kidnapping plot, or the alleged kidnapping plot, of Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan, that the FBI had a lot of assets, informants that were part of that plot, perhaps more than actually were arrested for the plot, 
raising some questions about their complicity in that there's a new revelation. We have it up today at Just the News. I wrote it last night. All the court documents are there for you to see. And what I basically will say is that the FBI has two black eyes. It needs to go a third eye because this is another serious black eye. It has all the elements of what we have been talking about in other failures of the FBI. It's deja vu all over again. How is that? Well, the FBI had for 16 years, approximately, been paying a publisher of extremist white supremacist literature. That raises the question, why is your tax dollars going to that? To be an informer. They basically paid, I think, $144,000 to this publisher to be an informer at the same time he was publishing this work. In fact, there are insinuations in the court records that he used it to support his white supremacist literature. That's in and of itself could be troubling to some people. But when we're done with that and you see, you come back and you realize they didn't disclose this to the court that reviewed the original search warrant. Does that sound familiar? Remember the FISA warrants, all the things that didn't disclose, exculpatory information. They did not tell the judge who approved the original search warrant in this white supremacist case where a handful of avowed white supremacists, we're not saying these are people that are sympathetic, but they're accused of participating in intimidation campaigns, targeting Jewish Americans and journalists of color. So the conduct is not what's in question. The FBI has the, you know, the evidence to throw it. But once again, not playing by the rules, once again, with a confidential human source, with a search warrant, all the things that we learned in the Russia case and in other cases, there's a whole report by the IG of other confidential human sources and a whole nother report on other FISA and search warrants where the FBI omitted information that had a legal obligation to disclose. It happens again, 2018, 2019, these things are going on. <laughs> this is on Chris Ray's watch. You can't blame the old guard anymore. The same cultural failures, the same cultural violations of the Constitution, of the honor system that the FBI is expected to pay are identified in this case. In this case, it's a guy named Caleb Cole, avowed white supremacist, but he is now trying to suppress the evidence against them because the FBI withdrew this. And it isn't just his lawyers making the compelling argument. The Justice Department came in and agreed that it is correct that certain potential impeachment information about the informant was not included in the affidavit. But of course, the Justice Department, it isn't fatal. It's bad, but it's not fatal. And the information was limited, they said, to the fact that the informant was well compensated by the FBI over a 16-year period. Yeah, that's kind of important. And was convicted of a firearms crime. Wait a second. They didn't even disclose the guy's felony conviction, now, let alone how much he was being paid by the government. This is going to go to the judge, U.S. District Judge John Coffiner, who's, by the way, very prominent, famous judge over the years on senior status. It, there hasn't been a ruling yet, but... If this feels like deja vu all over again, it's because it is. It's the same pattern. The FBI continues to do the same bad things with informants, with non-disclosures that are required in the search warrants. It's as though they haven't learned or they've ignored the lessons that Inspector General Horowitz at the Justice Department IG has brought or that the House Judiciary Committee or the Senate Judiciary Committee or the House Oversight Committee or the House Intelligence Committee by Devin Nunez back a few years ago. They're doing the same things. It's either arrogance, incompetence, whatever it is. 
The FBI has no more eyes to black, and they've got to fix this for the good of the American people. To read all the details of this case, go to justthenews.com. The headline is, FBI severs another black guy, admits it hid payments to informant in white supremacist case. All the original documents are there for you to see. You don't have to wait for me. You don't have to take my word for it. You can read these court filings yourself. Something of great import, I believe, and I hope you get a chance to read it. Similarly, I want to go to one of my colleagues, Roger Aronoff, wrote a great story last night about a weekend of extraordinary censorship. You might have missed it because you were focused about Ida and all the destruction in New Orleans. You're probably focused on the tragedy still unfolding in Afghanistan. We're going to be focused on that in a few seconds with Dr. Tony Brooks, retired Army Ranger. But in that same weekend where we were distracted, elements of the left, of big tech, of woke finance censored Michael Flynn, the Gateway Pundit, and the former New York Times reporter, Alex Berenson, all in a single weekend. You want to talk about a cancel culture purge? It's there. My colleague Roger wrote a great story. Big tech, woke finance, crackdown on Flynn, Gateway Pundit, embarrassment, and cancel culture purge. Read that. The censorship. The cancel culture is accelerating. It's not slowing. Every so often, there's one victory, but it's followed by several more examples of extraordinary, breathtaking assaults on the First Amendment, on free speech, on free religion, on free association. It is not stopping, and we should all be deeply troubled. And I want to take you to one more topic on that subject, okay? So I think really important. Why do I say this? Because the Intel community's report last week on COVID-19 origins was inconclusive. It couldn't determine which of the two theories, lab leak or natural evolution, that it could settle on. A lot of people didn't step back for a second to see what that report conclusively did. You know what that report conclusively did? It conclusively proved that censorship was harmful to America on COVID-19. Why is that? The theory, the lab leak theory, that the Trump administration and some Chinese doctors and intelligence experts gave us for months. That was censored by Facebook and Twitter. The Associated Press claimed it was a debunked falsehood. Many other news organizations took similar assaultive approaches and censored people. Doctors wrote letters saying it was discredited when in fact the evidence showed it is a viable and likely theory. In fact, of the two theories that the intelligence community reviewed as the most likely theories, natural evolution of the virus and lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the latter got a higher degree of confidence from one intelligence agency, moderate confidence, than the four people who sided with the lab leak or the natural evolution theory who gave it a low degree of confidence. So that means for a year, the more viable and intelligence community attorneys, certainly in one agency's uh, 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 opinion and assessment and expertise, the opinion that got a moderate confidence level, not the low level, was censored while the one that got a low level of confidence was forced upon us, shoved down our throat through censorship and blacklisting and cancel culture and constant impunity. Who holds the Associated Press, my former employer, accountable? Who holds Facebook and Twitter accountable? Who holds all those politicians and doctors who gave us a bogus story? Who holds them accountable? You got to. That's your job as Americans to do so. You can do it at the ballot box. You can do it through activism. Do it peacefully and smartfully. But at some point, Facebook, Twitter, 
the investors have to take action. Those members of the media that own a part of the Associated Press need to confront the Associated Press for calling something a falsehood when in fact it is now more viable today than ever it was. You can't get ahead of the facts. You can't let emotion get in front of it like so many people did. And politics, that story is also worth reading. All right, enough about what's on Just the News. You can go there yourself and check it out. A lot of good stories. Very proud of the report this morning. When we come back, Dr. Tony Brooks, the retired Army Ranger, an enlisted man with a lot of wisdom and a lot of heart and soul in the effort to rescue Afghans right now. He's invested in saving people that the American government most likely are going to leave behind. You're going to get that all exclusively here on John Solomon Reports right after this commercial break. Hey folks, it's John Solomon here. Today, I want to shine a light on AMAC, an organization who's dedicated to America's seniors, but is vital for conservatives of all ages. AMAC stands out by not only advocating for senior issues, but also by pushing for conservative values that affect us all. By joining, you're not just supporting our senior citizens, you're part of a movement defending the freedoms that made this country great and to ensure that we secure our nation's future. Plus, membership brings you exclusive benefits like discounts on travel, dining, and entertainment, and of course, special insurance rates, one of the things I like. Regardless of your age, if you're driven to preserve freedom, AMAC welcomes you. This is about uniting youthful vigor with the wisdom of experience and our quest to keep this country great. Sign up now for amac.us slash justnews. And for a limited time, you get a free gift membership for someone else who shares your love for our great nation. Don't miss out on this chance to make a difference from AMAC. Join today at amac.us slash justnews. That's amac.us slash justnews. And extend the invitation to a friend or family member for free. What a great opportunity. All right, folks, welcome back for the commercial break. And joining me now is a very special guest with a remarkable resume. He's a retired Army Ranger. He's a successful chiropractor, uh, chiropractic doctor, a best-selling author, and somebody who really understands what's been going on these last few weeks in Afghanistan. Joining me right now is Dr. Tony Brooks. Dr. Brooks, great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, wild times. It is. And, you know, I'm thinking back to the book you wrote, right? Leave No Man Behind. It seems like we are in danger of leaving many men and women behind because of the conduct of our government. Tell us a little bit about what you're seeing now and and how it affects you and what you're trying to do to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, watching this on TV has obviously been devastating, but it's also been on TV. So, you you have to hold things in perspective and say that, you know, we still have an amazing life here in the United States. And we've got to do something to help these people who are basically being lined up to slaughter. And our government obviously is not helping that situation at all by giving their names and photos away. You know, it's just, it's tough for me to really like get into my emotions about it, but I've had all the emotions. But what I've done over the past few weeks is I'm teaming up with another group of veterans and we are, you know, assisting people on the ground in Afghanistan to find a way out of the country. And I can't get into all the details because of operational security, but I will say that it's very effective and having military leaders with experience in Afghanistan has been wonderful to get people to the borders. Boy, that that is heartening news because the images don't give us a lot to be heartened about, but I have heard of so many heroic rescues and veterans going in on their own dime, on their own, risking their own safety to do what we all should have done in the United States government, which is make sure that all the people who supported us during 20 years of war 
were uh, extricated before before we gave the place back, and uh, we seem to have it backwards. You, you, in your motivational speaking, talk so much about the principles of success, and it seems like this exit was based on all the principles of failure. You could hardly find anything that was done in the execution that seems to be the right thing. How does that happen with so many smart people in the Pentagon, in government? Where did we go wrong? You know, I don't know where the where the ball was dropped, but I do know that, you know, the, the inspector general of the Afghanistan reconstruction yep. laid out exactly what was going to happen unless we had a plan. And it's obvious that the inspector general was spot on because he, he was he's been t- saying this for 10 years. Yep. Yeah, I've known John Sopko a long time, and he was he, he was right on the money right up to June. I mean, he was warning that the Air Force readiness of Afghan Air, Air Force was down, uh, that there were too many deserters and there were too many side deals going on. It's as though that fell into a uh, uh, an empty tunnel and no one was listening. Uh, and then everything he predicted came true, which which seems to be really, really a problem. Um you go back now to the beginning of the war. Uh, we obviously had a righteous cause in rooting out the terrorists who attacked our, our um, country. Uh, what do, how do you grade the effort to pivot from the initial mission, which was get rid of Al-Qaeda and the Taliban, and to the, the 16, 17 years of nation building that followed? As someone who was there, and how do you assess what the uh, United States tried to do over 20 years? Yeah, I think uh, we tried to nation build with a war, and we, we know through history that that doesn't work. You don't nation build through war. War is for eliminating enemy, and we we failed. I think that's the real, really the bottom line. Now that, and I want to be clear because they're probably going to be veterans listening to this, and they'll get angry when they hear me say that. But the veterans didn't fail. The military didn't fail. It was the plan that failed. Everything that went on and on the ground, as far as the fighting goes, was an astonishing success. It really was. But when we switched to nation building and we used the military to do that, that was, that was a war we couldn't win. Yeah. And we never had permission to win. Yep. We didn't have the buy-in, did we? And that, that, that's always the hardest part. And, um, it, uh, and now we really risk, you know, when I, when I hear these senators who came out of a private briefing last Sunday saying that Milley told them, listen, with less than two years, Afghanistan could be used as a home base to launch an attack against Americans somewhere in the world. Basically, the one thing we went there to do, we're going to lose in the process. Um, how concerned should all of us be about the potential that ISIS, Al-Qaeda and different elements, spinoffs, reconstitute inside the chaos that we've now created in the country? Yeah, I, I think it's a guarantee. I don't think it's a, a possibility. I think it's an absolute guarantee. I think it's time to recognize that and protect ourselves at home. You know, you know, move your families to places that are willing to defend you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I myself have moved my family from the West Coast to Texas, and we do that for security reasons. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So those states that are disarming people or defunding the police are not the, the place you want to be when terrorism comes back on the rise. Is that a, a fair assessment? I would say exactly what's going to happen. They're going to hit us where we're weak. And yeah. we're weak in our big cities on the West Coast. Yeah. Bottom line. Yep. Yeah, I'm hearing that from a lot of uh, counterterrorism experts, how, how concerned they are. And, uh, you know, I know the deadline was two years or the, the prognosis from the generals of two years. But I hear a lot of people that are worried about two weeks, two months 
well before the two-year deadline that we're going to see a rise of terrorism that we've been pretty much, because of the success in Afghanistan, spared from over the years. Obviously, some episodic cases, but uh, systemic terrorism was really eradicated with the success in Afghanistan. You, you have a lot of contact with people on the ground. And I wonder if you could share for, for those of us who are depressed and demoralized by the scenes and the failures and the, the knowledge that we know that what happens to people left behind may be bad. There are, for every worry and fear, there's a hero story of something good that went on on the ground. Can you share any real life stories about what's happening that can you know both enlighten us and also maybe inspire us? Yeah, absolutely. I think that there are good people and a lot of them are veterans former military leaders that are no longer in service that are working tirelessly. And I witnessed it firsthand last night, a veteran, and I don't want to get into all the details because of operational security, but he hasn't slept in two weeks. Wow. He has an air mattress in, next to a tactical operations center that he's created. And it looks like going into a tactical operations center when I went to Iraq or I went to Afghanistan. This is the real deal. And he's moving people out of that country with what we call violence of action in, in the 75th Ranger Regiment. Wow. And it, it's, uh, I mean, we're, we're getting ready to celebrate because we're going to get people out, guaranteed. That's amazing. That's amazing. And he's doing what our government should have done. I'm going to walk through some things that now, when you put them on a timeline, they, they, they have you scratch your head. So the first is during the transition, the Trump team left behind what we would call a condition, conditions-based withdrawal. And it had a carrot and it had a big stick, the stick being the predators that ran regular sorties as well as some Air Force bombers, that any time the Taliban or others acted up, they got punished and then they, they were more likely to adhere to the detail. Starting in February, you can see from the Air Force's own records a drastic decline in air sorties. Uh, how faithful was that decision to take air power away from the equation and give the Taliban more room to move quickly? I think the Taliban was watching us closely. They know that patience wins wars. Uh, they've done it for a very long time. So when we left Bagram Airfield, yeah. which is the most strategic air base in the entire country, yep. they knew exactly what they could do. They knew that was the moment that it all went down. Leaving yeah. Bagram Airfield, we couldn't launch any of our you know, drones, and they knew it. So to me, I could point directly to that specific moment where yeah. you knew it was going to go bad. I've heard from many people on inside and outside the administration or, or recently departed from the government who say that was the single biggest strategic error. It also could have given us a much better staging area to remove people from the country, correct? Absolutely. It's a completely protected airbase. Yeah. And, you know, I spent some time there, so I, I know it well. You know. And I want to be clear that I am not a retired general, you know. Right. I was a retired enlisted man. I got out as an E-4. Right. And I knew this. So what are our generals doing? What are they doing? <laughs> I mean, it's a joke. Yeah. It's an absolute joke. Why do you think that is? I mean, there, throughout history, we've had amazing generals who in the greatest moments of of peril made great decisions, right? You can go through, whether it's MacArthur, or Eisenhower, or Patton in the World War II, all the way through the country, Petraeus coming in and 
helping to uh, come up with a counterinsurgency strategy for a period of time. Um, how did this generation of generals become the Keystone Cops? Because that's how a lot of enlisted men and women that I'm talking to view them. And you know, we had the Marine last week, you know, who got fired for saying it out loud, but um, or removed from duty for saying it out loud. But how, how does it happen? How do we get a generation that suddenly lost all of the great acumen that the generations before them exhibited in times of need? No, it's, uh, it's a generation of wokeness. What can I say? I mean, you look at majority of the top leadership and they are not the cream of the crop like they used to be. General mm-hmm. Petraeus was one of them. Yeah. General Stanley McChrystal was sure. one of them. I know a few others that are currently serving that are amazing generals. I won't name them, but they are, you know, kind of being held in positions where they can't do much. So this has been going on for a while. This is not a one or two year issue. This is 10 years yeah, or more. And in, is it that liberal advocacy groups, you know, the Soros types, and other, were they courting these guys and trying to change their minds, win their hearts and minds? How do a whole general, a generation of generals get more interested in wokeness and in cultural issues than in winning wars, which is what, what we ask them to do? Well, I think there's a combination of issues here, but I think a lot of it is, you got to remember, this war, this 20-year war, was mostly fought in the shadows. I mean, the only time you saw it in the news in any given day was when someone failed. Yeah, good point. And I, I write about this extensively in my book yep. about, you know, the military is a lot like an AC unit. When it's working, you don't even know it. Right. But when it fails, you curse it. <laughs> and that's how it felt for the past 20 years. Yeah. You go months on end without hearing a word about Afghanistan. Yep. Man, we went 18 months without a casualty until this past week. I mean, it's pretty remarkable successes. And, and, you know, a year, year and a half ago, things had stabilized, it seemed like. And there was sort of a, you could see a pathway where if you could get the Taliban and the other groups to come to some sort of coalition government, that maybe things would carry on without a, a significant footprint. Was it a mistake to say we needed all troops out? Would, would there have been some value to leave 500 or 1,000 behind uh, like we've done in Europe for decades? You know, that's a tough question. I I think strategically there should have been some type of peacekeeping force. However, I don't think it should have been all American. All American, right? I, I, where is the international community on this? They knew it was going to be a disaster as well, and they just let it happen. Yeah. So this isn't all America's problem. This is a problem for the world, and everyone needs to step up. Let me ask you, because we painted the picture, right? This is a catastrophic failure. What are some specific steps that the U.S. government our allies at NATO and, and the coalition forces should be taking, they may not be taking, but should be taking to protect those people in Afghanistan from the Taliban, those who want freedom, who don't want to go back 20, 25 years in history. You know, it's a, it's a really tough situation. And I will not even try to sugarcoat the decisions that they're going to have to make. I don't want to put more troops in there. I think that's just asking for a disaster. However, I do think we need to secure more egress points out of the country trying to get out of that Kabul airport it's just what a joke yeah it's the worst possible scenario nope you saw from the rocket attacks how vulnerable it is compared to Bagram where it had a great perimeter yeah and that would be my probably strategic point would be this is awful but we need to retake Bagram yeah get people out as quick as we can and then go about our business but we we should be leaving as some type of peacekeeping force yeah international is my my preferred method 
you, you've had great visibility. You've wrote a book that so many people have talked about. You understand the ethos of the fighting men and women and of the people of Afghanistan who I think over the two decades came, many of them came to appreciate what we achieved for them. And they came to appreciate what American democracy and free markets could look like in little doses, of course. What is the single biggest thing when we wake up Wednesday morning? Let's assume that Joe Biden is staying where he's going to be in Tuesday night. We're done in Afghanistan. What's the single biggest thing to watch for Wednesday morning when we wake up? What are the warning signs that we should all be alert to? I think when we start seeing the Taliban getting brazen and and doing what they've done in the past, I mean, I think they're going to start hunting people down and executing them in the street. I I don't think there's any question that that's going to happen. Most people know it's going to happen. In fact, they're already going door to door in some areas. So (laughs) they're focused on making sure that we are gone before they really move. But they're not scared of us. That's the thing. They are not scared of the United States right now. They have already played those cards and we held, you know, we did not go for the jugular when we had the chance. So they know we're weak. Yeah, that's a matter of no no fear and also no respect. I mean, they, they seem to have lost respect. I want, I want to go on to the issue of respect in a second. But before I do, there were a period of cat and mouse stuff, I would say, from last Tuesday, Wednesday forward, where all of the vulnerable people who are trying to exit were told, often by the U.S. government, get to the airport. And then they'd get turned away from the airport. And my intel on the ground tells me that the Taliban and their allies use that to identify the people who were going, who consider themselves American loyalists and want out. How big a failure was it to send people to the airport, have them send away, but in the meantime, get them photographed, biometrically captured, their license plates taken? Do you see that as potentially one of the bigger security vulnerabilities that we could have avoided? Yeah, I think we're, we're going to be looking at something that we haven't seen in our lifetimes. I mean, they have a database of people that are their enemies. And they will, like I said before, they want to die for their cause. Yep. So you can take that how you want, but I think we're looking at a mass, mass genocide slash, it's gonna be, it's gonna be awful. And, you know, our politicians have to look at themselves in the mirror every day and say, this is because we didn't step up. Mm. And then we need to hold them accountable. Yeah, that's right, we have to. There has to be accountability. We can't continue to have failure after failure in the United States government and no accountability. If you're assigning accountability, obviously the buck stops with President Biden, so that's an easy one. What about people like Millie and Austin? Uh, how do you grade their performance over the last two months? Uh, I think they've done great with their wokeness. <laughs> but I think that they are, they're complicit. I mean, they're, they're not being strong enough in their advice because they know what's going on. These are smart men. They're not stupid. Yeah. Austin spent and a lot of time on the ground. Not, he really knows being, it. Yeah. They're not being firm enough saying this is what needs to be done, Mr. President. Yeah. They're just going along with the plan. Telling the president what he wants so to hear I instead would, of what he needs to hear, right? You got it. Yeah. There's a yes man right now. Yeah. Boy, history is littered with a lot of yes men who made bad history for America and other countries as well. Last point, you, you've, you mentioned the culpability that our allies and uh, in NATO and the coalition forces deserve. There's a second part here that I wonder isn't a larger fallout as we get further and further away from the scenes we've seen. And that is, 
If you're an American ally and you've seen what we just did to our Afghan allies, what is your trust level in the soft power, the hard power of the United States? Does this diminish trust and bonds and allegiances across our allied structure? Uh, or is this just a, a temporary blip that everybody says, oh, bad mistake, let's wash it away and start over? No, I think this is a generational error where we are going to have to take a whole generation to rebuild that trust. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to take some bold leadership. It's going to take some hard decisions in the future. Yeah. And I hope that someone's able to do that. I, I don't have confidence that this administration will do any of that. But it's, you know, it's up to us. It's yeah. up to the people of America to, to step up and say, this is not acceptable. And we're going to do something about it. And we're going to vote. And we're going to, we're going to change it. Yeah, that's the one thing our founding fathers gave us. It's the ultimate uh, accountability tool, the ballot box. And uh, it seems to me that uh, there should be some reckonings ahead in the future for people that have been on the front lines of these egregious decisions. Dr. Brooks, how do people follow your work? I mean, you're so influential. I know you do a lot of speaking. You've got this great book. Uh, you're doing things behind the scenes to bring Afghan patriots home and safe to America when our own government let them down. But how do they follow work, support what you're doing? What's the best way to stay in touch with you? You know, the best way would be my website. It's drtonybrooks.com. And I just want everyone to know that's listening to say that, you know, I'm not going to shill stuff on you. I'm a servant and I will always be a servant. I'm always there to help. I want to guide you and help you in your journey. I'm, I love what I do as a chiropractor and I'm going to continue to do that. So reach out, drtonybrooks.com. That's a great place to go, folks. Bookmark it. It's a great site with a lot of smart wisdom to share. Uh, Dr. Brooks, thank you so much for your time today and the wisdom you shared. Uh, we're going to want to get you back. And this is a story that's not going away, nor should we allow it to go away until we get the accountability we all deserve. So I hope we can get you back on the show soon. Absolutely. Anytime. Uh, I really appreciate the time today. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to wrap things up for the day. Folks, if you owe back taxes, fair warning, you're not going to like this. The IRS is mailing millions of pay-up letters. Millions, I say. Then it's up to the 20,000 new IRS enforcement agents to find you. Why the IRS targets you and not millionaires? Well, because millionaires have tax lawyers. You don't, you'll pay up. Plus interest and penalties. You need Tax Network USA, and you need them now. Tax Network USA has brilliant war room strategies to solve your IRS problems quickly and in your favor. Like a preferred direct line to the IRS, they know which agents to deal with and who to avoid. It's not all bad news for you because Tax Network USA learned of a special limited time IRS offer. They're willing to waive $1 billion in penalties if you qualify. So schedule your free confidential consultation to see if you qualify for this limited time IRS penalty canceling offer. To do so, call 1-800-245-6000. That's 1-800-245-6000. Or visit tnusa.com slash justnews. That's tnusa.com slash justnews. All right, folks, that wraps it up for the day. What a great show. So grateful to Dr. Tony Brooks, a retired Army Ranger, Afghan expert, best-selling author. He had a lot of wisdom to share. I hope you uh, drew from it. I thought he said some very provocative things about the future of terrorism. A lot to be concerned about. All right, uh, we'll be back tomorrow with some more breaking news, some more exclusive reporting, and some great guests. Until then, may God bless you, and may God bless this extraordinary country, the United States, as he always has. 
You've been listening to John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where you can get your news fix anytime. Just go check it out, day or night, 24-7. We've got you covered with breaking headlines and all investigative reporting. Good night. Talk to you tomorrow. Folks, financial experts thought we were in the clear. They were anticipating around six rate cuts by the Fed this year, and then the inflation data came out higher than expected again, just like we've been predicting. Friends, this isn't going away anytime soon. It can't. The U.S. is $34 plus trillion in the hole, and yet we keep printing money, which pushes the prices you pay every day even higher, whether it's at the grocery cart or at the gas store. So, You can either bury your head in the sand or you can do something about it. Diversify a portion of your savings into gold with Birch Gold Group. Gold is your hedge against inflation and Birch Gold makes it easy to own. They will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. All you got to do to get started, text Just News to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. Then talk to a precious metal specialist on how to protect your savings from persistent inflation. The way to do it with gold. All you got to do to get started on that journey with my good friends who I trust more than anyone at Birch Gold Group, text Just News to 989898 right now.